Welcome to Journey to the Stage. I'm Brian Frazier, and we are going international today. Before we get to our great conversation, the best way you can help a podcaster like me is to share this episode with your friends on your socials, leave a kind review or follow. It really helps indie podcasters like me since we don't have sponsorships or marketing budgets or anything like that. You can follow Journey to the Stage um, on Instagram at Journey to the Stage Podcast. Also, the same handle on Facebook. You can like us there. And I've got a brand new YouTube channel I've just launched that I'll be putting visualized podcasts up. You know, I sometimes will hear people say that today's music just isn't as good as the music they grew up with. And there's no good music today and blah, blah, blah. So many of us have heard that. But I couldn't disagree more. There's so much great music today, but it's just not on the radio. It's being made by artists like our guest today. I am absolutely excited to have New Zealand's very own artist, Graham James, who has a brand new album out called Seasons. Graham, welcome to Journey to the Stage. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. I'm uh, very grateful to our mutual friend, Wendy Brinford-Jones, for connecting us. Now, you are 19 hours in the future from me. So here in Central California, it's Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. but there it's late morning on Saturday. How is Saturday? Because I will be there soon. How is Saturday going so far? Well, the f- yeah, the, it's actually incredible. Uh, there's a cup of tea, there's the sun is out. It's, it's a good time. I can recommend it actually. So yeah, make sure you get a really good sleep <laughs> and um, <laughs> get amongst it. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to, to get there. I, now, I've only seen pictures of New Zealand, beautiful pictures. What is it like to grow up there? Because you did grow up in New Zealand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it depends on where you live, I think, like most places. And you'd know this as well, And uh, being in California. I mean, yeah, similarly, it's a, it's an, a place of incredible uh, natural beauty. But I don't, yeah, most people don't like go to school in the mountains or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> right. it, it's, it's a, um, it's, uh, it's as good as you want to make it, I think would be probably the best way of saying it. And, and that it's, it's an incredibly beautiful place and there's just opportunities mm-hmm. everywhere to experience the outdoors. And yeah, it's pretty wonderful actually. And what about music? What is, what is music like? In New Zealand, I'm sure you probably have some native music, music yeah. that is, is birthed there. What is that like? Well, the, the the music scene here is, it's actually a surprisingly small place. So there's only 5 million people in total. All the cities are somewhat spread out. I would say that we do pretty well per capita in terms of some really good stuff coming out of country at the bottom of the world. It's incredibly varied as well. So it's kind of hard to sum up in one sentence, but um, there's a lot of interesting things happening here. The fact that some of, a lot of the towns and cities are spread out, is it hard to 
have a thriving music scene or do you have some of those pockets some of those maybe larger towns where you've got some places to play and where music is is something that is created and expressed mm, that's a good question i think the scene is kind of different depending on the genre that you're in uh, being in the in the vaguely folk genre <laughs> it's a smaller market than say pop and pop and rock and hip-hop and all that sort of thing but i think that's a worldwide thing as well but i think the thing i appreciate about the yeah. new zealand music scene is that you can really just you can build relationships pretty easily here and there isn't the same sense of gatekeepers so, so i started out as a street performer and in wellington where i'm currently yeah the interesting thing about that was that i could just start and when I decided that I was going to do this for a living, I thought I should do some touring. And then I went and played on some other streets <laughs> around New Zealand. And from there, from there, I um, eventually got too cold during winter. And then I asked some people, can I play inside? And they said, yes, you can. And it was just this kind of very organic thing where you'd, it wasn't like I needed a, a record label or an A&R person or a, a publicist or any of these kind of things to, to make a start. I was quite surprised when when I finally started playing internationally that that people would ask me, oh, so you booked the show, are you the headline artist for this? I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm booking it, aren't I? And I was just like, oh, okay. So like going over to Australia and, you know, people would play just absolutely dozens of opening shows before they ever did their own headline slot. And I'd done nothing but headline slots because I had no idea there was anything else. <laughs> it's a really cool, right, right, a cool place to just kind of yeah to make it up as you go, and that's been a real blessing in my career. I think organic is really just sounds like that is a perfect description mm. to be able to play on the streets. People become familiar with you. The weather drives you <laughs> inside, and then you build a following and. That's and then with the age of the internet, mm. you can connect with venues and people around the world. And yeah. well, I heard your music, and here I am in California. Yeah, um, and that's really kind of a, a a cool thing. Now you're you're a little bit younger than me. You've really grown up in the age of the internet. Mm. Were you partaking music from you know around the world? What types of things? were you hearing that maybe technology allowed you an opportunity that maybe I didn't have so much when I was a little younger? Yeah, I think I kind of, an interesting, in my early childhood, it was kind of the end of the, the end of the CD age kind of thing and at the beginning of the online thing. So I still remember hearing stuff on the radio and trying to get recordings uh, like ordering stuff from overseas and so I still have a, a like a vague recollection of that side of things but then of course the yeah with the internet I, yeah I think it's just it's simultaneously incredible and terrifying uh, it's an incredible as a as a consumer as an artist it's also incredible but then you're contending with the fact that there's like 250,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every week <laughs> which is wild um, everybody's making an album and even mm -hmm. like your dentist is making an album and uh and that's cool and he's good and, and people are good as well this is the wild thing like 
I think we live in the golden age of indie music, like for all the complaining about Spotify and all that, like it's un unparalleled ability to reach fans if you know what you're doing and if you have a, a bit of luck. It comes with some unique challenges though too, mm. cutting through those 250,000 new songs uploaded weekly. And yeah. um, the tools are there, but yeah, I know it can be tough to get your name, your song, uh, in front of those others to capture somebody's attention mm. for a moment it can be a little bit challenging. When you were starting to kind of develop some of your own musical tastes when you entered your teen years, mm. what, what type of artists were you being drawn to? It was quite an eclectic mix. Like most people, or initially, like a lot of it was based on what my parents were listening to, which was also pretty varied and pretty indie and not necessarily in like the coolest kind of way <laughs> um, there was some like it was pretty pretty great actually but there was i remember i think it was when i was nine my dad went and bought the back catalog of u2 from like 1983 to 1987 i think finishing with the joshua tree wow. and like as a nine-year-old that like absolutely rocked my world there was a bunch of other singer songwriters Similar to, regardless of how you feel about Bono uh, of U2 as an, as an artist, it's undeniable, I think, that he has a way of conveying, especially in the early stuff, visual metaphors and similes and pictures through his lyricism. And this is kind of before the preachy Bono turned up. Um, but I think I was just so drawn to music that I could see all of a sudden you know, like, and I could see it to such a degree that I was like a little bit offended when I saw the music video and it wasn't <laughs> what I had imagined it to be right. um, so I think the I think I was really influenced by um, by lyricists who were able to paint pictures and mm -hmm. then musically we actually had a, a family folk band. Uh, so it was my dad on guitar and lead vocals. I was playing fiddle and mandolin and some background vocals, my brother on the drums and my mother on bass and vocals. So we played a lot of Celtic music. We were quite influenced by a lot of world music and yeah. which was pretty, pretty big at sort of early 2000s. Would some of that be like Laura McKennett type music? Uh, even real out there stuff like Afro-Celt sound system, a lot of like Celtic influence stuff, things that we would find at like in thrift stores and kind of Celtic inspired French rap music and you're like, just weird stuff. One of the things I love about being able to talk with artists on my podcast is to hear to a person how much the music of their home, their family yeah. really has shaped and it's hard to you know really determine how much of an influence that has but mm. everyone would say that that music of their childhood that family music has been instrumental no yeah. pun intended yeah. uh, to to shaping them yeah now i have to say i have really really enjoyed your new album seasons because i'm, a, I'm such a fan of acoustic music and oh, uh, nice. I love rock. I love all mm. types of music, but there's something about 
the dialogue that takes place, the conversation that takes place within uh, acoustically based instrumentation and songs. I want to play a song for everybody, and I think this was probably my favorite cut from your album. This is the Sea of Infinite Possibilities. Let's play it, and then we will chat about the story of the song here in a minute. This truly is a beautiful song. Tell us a little bit about the message, the writing about that song. Yeah, it actually, it was a song written when my wife Zoe was pregnant with our daughter Eva. 
I think it was around about mm. maybe four, four or five months in. That's where the the title A Sea of Infinite Possibilities comes from. It, it's a kind of musing on a life that hasn't really started yet and, and how there's literally just so many different directions that it could take and you just really have no idea who this person is going to be. And it's kind of, it's a, yeah, for me, like in terms of the, the seasonality of the album, it was such a springtime kind of song for, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. New um, life, yeah. Yeah, new life. And yeah, so the actual song starts with a recording of uh, an ultrasound recording of her heartbeat, which was taken around about that time. Oh, is that? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And my wife sings on this as well. So this is our first first ever uh, song featuring all three of us. <laughs> wow. I picked a special one to, to feature yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> well, it's just, it's so pretty. It's so beautiful. The melody you're playing on it. And those sound like brand new strings. Those strings sound so clean as you're picking on the guitar. It sounds so great. Yeah, yeah. The first time I heard it, I'm like, those are new strings right there. Because they're just so, they sing so pretty, so beautifully. Yeah, I'm I'm also blessed to have a, a, a wonderful sound engineer in Colorado who works as magic on strings old and new. <laughs> I love your vocal delivery in this song. There's a there's a real intimacy that you convey and i think it's so fitting with the intimate lyrics and you know at the time when i was listening to it just as a listener i didn't know really what it was about but it makes sense what Mm. you're singing about would carry that that emotion Mm. that would you would naturally be associated with as a dad um that's that's really cool that's really really neat what is it like uh, in in your landscape your neck of the woods to build a following you talked about how you started you were busking right you I mean you're out on the street yeah, yeah. and you got your can out there singing for people and then you worked your yeah. way inside is it did it take you long to kind of build up a local following? Like what, what was that aspect of a new artist, a budding artist? What was that like for you? Yeah, I think I, I kind of had a, a bit of a, an ace up my sleeve in regards to the performance side of things, which was that I was using a loop pedal at a time where it was kind of brand new. Uh, so I started out in mm. 2012. Uh, busking on the street with a loop pedal so I was I was actually a lot of people hadn't really encountered this sort of thing before people kind of losing their minds in real time (laughs) which was like quite cool Uh, so I was playing playing guitar and then violin and then bass and recording it and layering it all together and I was playing a lot of cover songs because if you're street performing um, that can be yeah pretty handy not everyone who's on their way to Target to buy underpants wants to listen to someone kind of pouring out their heart and soul. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Um, but it's, so what, I, what I would do is just play songs that people would know but just really mess with them. So that in the process of building up the song with the loop pedal, people wouldn't know what it was. And so there was an instant kind of engagement going, oh, I know this, what is this, what is this? 
and then he kind of he and then yeah so it, it kind of separated me from like your average wonderwall strumming busker uh not that there's anything wrong with right. that but it kind of gave me a bit of an edge initially and yeah. i don't know if it's a good idea strategically to play cover songs at the beginning of your career but um i actually went i went all in and released a couple of cover albums mainly because i was selling them on the street in fact my most listened to song is one of those ones from 2013 uh, which is one that I, I had no idea what I was doing in the studio, literally no idea, and just booked it, <laughs> and just threw threw some songs down, and um, I think one of them has nearly 20, 20 million streams now on Spotify. And it's so interesting because that really is why I started this podcast because I have always been fascinated by the journey the artist takes, and you're actually the first artist I've talked to that. I wouldn't say was doing busking, but has talked about yeah. it. And I, yeah. I love that. And, you know, there are some great artists that will still occasionally incognito, yeah. put on a hat, put on some sunglasses and just go play yeah. on a street corner and leave their guitar case open. I, I think there's a, it's a great way to hone your performance. You've got, oh, you've yeah. got just a few seconds to grab people's attention. And yeah. I think there's, there's something to that. You can also get it wrong and with no consequences. Like you can totally, like I would build a crowd and then I would, you know, I'd, I'd do something wrong in some way. Like I'd play a, a boring song or I'd waffle on too long between songs as I was learning my stagecraft and, you know, I'd lose my crowd. I'd be like, ah, what did I do there? It's not like I blew a gig. It's like I blew that moment, you know, like, another 500 people will walk past in the next 20 minutes. So you get to try again. Right. And so it's a very, um, if you can handle it, yeah, being somewhat of a nat natural performer, I was able to, it's a great proving ground for material and especially in, in the early career stage of things. From talking to a number of artists, on my podcast, I know that inspiration can come from a lot of different places. You've talked about how the song that we just played was inspired by the possibilities of what your daughter could become. What is it that gives you inspiration? Um, you know, other things that give you inspiration that make you want to pick up your instrument with that blank canvas in front of you mm. and see where it goes. What, what other types of things inspire you? Mm. I think at this point in time, what inspires me is actually the act of doing. I have moments where I'm like, I must write a song. But I think over time, there's a famous quote actually, said something along the lines of, and this is not denigrating to people who do experience inspiration in this way, but I think it was a Chuck Close. He says, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. If you wait around for the clouds to part and a bolt of lightning to strike you in the brain, you're not going to make an awful lot of work. All the best ideas come out of the process. They come out of the work itself. And this is, like I said, this is not true for everyone. Some people are like, right, right. Like just overflowing with emotions at all points in time. Um, but for me, I find it's the process. So I'll sit down and be like, I'm going to write a song now. And I discover what it's about in the process. 
I know that um, anyone who creates something can have moments of questioning, mm-hmm. maybe doubt. Um, those thoughts and feelings I know can st- stir sometimes a little fear that maybe we're not going to reach our goal or we're not going to do what we want to do. Um, do you ever have those types of moments as an artist? Because there's a lot of vulnerability. I think people who don't create something for the public probably wouldn't understand this, but as an mm. artist, in so much of it, you're, you're putting yourself out there, not just what you're making, but um, you're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable. When you have, if you ever have any of those thoughts or feelings, how do you work through those? How do you persevere through those to continue on and do what you want to do? Yeah, really good question. Yeah, I, I do agonize in the process for sure. I think sometimes the the process is painful enough that like, by the time I release something, I'm pretty happy with with it because uh, I've I've really worked my way through it, um, and I try to let my own, in the least arrogant way possible, I try I try to let the let my own opinion be the the predominant opinion about it for myself so yeah like i'm the creator and by the time i've sent it out into the world i'm very pleased with it and if other people enjoy it then that of course makes me very happy but i try not to let other people's opinion kind of flavor the way that i feel about it i've released about four original albums now I feel okay with that. Uh, I've got to the point where I sometimes I even like I write a review of the album before it comes out for myself just to remind myself about how I feel about it. I think it would be fair to say that I probably care about the things that I create more than anybody else probably ever will. Your music can be a, a blessing to people or any art can be a blessing to someone but like the degree to which Absolutely. you invest time, energy, effort, and all those kind of things into into what you make. I try not to let my opinion of things shift over time because more than anything, it's, a, it's not necessarily the best album I can make because there'll be a moment in time in the future where maybe I'll know more or I'll have discovered something or a story that resonates with people more or whatever it might be. I'd like to listen to another really great song from your album. This is the voyage of, of James Caird. Let's listen. And then we'll talk about this one. Ship to the depths of the southern ocean. 
So who else is playing with you on the album? Are you, or are you doing all the instruments? Uh, this, yeah. So I was uh, living in the Netherlands when I recorded this. Um, we moved back two weeks ago, as mentioned. And so I had a bunch of uh, co-collaborators um, on this album, which is a new thing for me. Uh, but I rented a, a studio space with seven other musicians and a lot of them uh, ended up playing on the album in one way or another. Uh, also, my my accountant um, uh, and friend turned out to be a fantastic drummer. <laughs> so he featured on uh, this track, The Voyage of the James Keard, as well. Um, 
Cool. That is a really neat song. Is that? Did you do that writing on your own? Do you have co- any co-writers? No, that was a. That was probably one of the more uh, tortuous writing experiences that I had. Oddly enough, it wasn't really from a place of vulnerability. I did feel vulnerable in terms of like my own songwriting, <laughs> but I, because I, I wrote the song about um, Shackleton's nineteen fifteen. Uh, expedition to the Antarctic and their their attempt to cross the Antarctic uh, from one side to the other which went horribly wrong and they never actually properly set foot. Is that the voyage the, their ship was lost and some of them set out by foot? Is that that one? Yeah so the it's a, a wild story I won't go into all of the details but essentially they they got told not to go down south uh, they arrived in South Georgia, uh, the South Georgia Islands, and the whalers there were like, don't go south. It's a terrible winter this year. Mm-hmm. The pack ice is way too thick, and it will you're not going to make it to Antarctica. And essentially they didn't. Their ship got stuck in the ice and got crushed eventually. Uh, so now there's 27 fellows on the, <laughs> on the ice. And anyway, it's one of the most extreme survival stories of all time i was writing to a deadline uh, which is what what happened with this seasons album because a bunch of the songs kind of came out in seasonal ways and this particular one i promised mm-hmm. to the record label i had to get it through to the sound enge- sound engineer and i'm still writing the lyrics at 4 a.m oh boy the night before <laughs> supposed to be delivered yeah. and recording them like I'd, I'd finished the music but i was really struggling with this because I'd read the book that it was based on, a book called South by mm. Shackleton himself, and it's an incredible story. And my problem was that I was trying to sum up all of this epic experience in like four verses, yeah. and I really didn't feel like I was doing justice to any of it. At some point in time in that, that morning where... I realized, and this is quite a freeing thought, I realized that Shackleton himself, when he was writing his book, there would have been moments where he felt like, man, how how can I possibly do justice to this, to this whole story and everything that we've been through? I had the realization that, that Shackleton would have probably, while writing the book, felt at a loss as to how to communicate the actual experience. And that was quite freeing because I thought he probably would have felt, yeah, felt that inadequacy in the context of writing a novel. And now I'm trying to sum up a novel in the context of about 150 words. <laughs> and I thought, ah, oh, it's, it's going to be all right. And yeah, try to do it in a haiku next and see how you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a fascinating story, and I think the song turned out beautifully. It's it's a great story song, and I, I do I love a song that tells a good story. So as we kind of get close to the end of our time here, let's talk about how people can best support you. Let's talk about your website, your socials. How can people connect with with your music, with any shows you might be planning for the future? Um, what's yeah. uh, what's the best way people can support you these days? Yeah. So uh, all the music is on online and all the various streaming platforms which is never a bad way to access it and then um i'm actually 
I'm going to be doing a bunch more uh, online streaming, actually, uh, doing some live performances online. Uh, having moved back from Europe and from the Northern Hemisphere, uh, where we've done a lot of touring, mm-hmm. I thought it's time to actually spend a, just be in one place for a while. So, But just all of the normal things like Instagram, Facebook, and, and YouTube, also for some of the live stuff. All under Graham James, which, yeah, uh, the weird spelling. So everybody listening, don't have to worry about the spelling. I'll put all the links in the show notes for everybody. Before we end our time, let's want to end with a little bit of fun. We're going to play something called What's Your Favorite? And I'm just going to read off a list of things, and you have to tell me what your favorite of those particular things are. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. What is your favorite book? Oh. I'm going to go Lord of the Rings. All right. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. Movie. <laughs> I can't say Lord of the Rings, can I? <laughs> uh, you can, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm never good at these things. Is my brain always... Uh, I don't re- I'm not a really a favorites <laughs> kind of person, but um, let's go Lord of the Rings. There we go. Easy answer. Favorite fantasy series made into... No, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> June. No. <laughs> Let's uh, let's favorite actor. I'm gonna go George Clooney. Oh, that's a good He's choice. World's, mo- world's most calming voice. He does have a very calming voice. What about favorite meal? Ooh, I've got a a bit of a place in my heart for a good lasagna. Such a satisfying meal. What's Ooh. your favorite scent or smell? I'm gonna go with pine forest, but not like. Not like car air freshener, but like actual in the pine forest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. (laughs) What about person? Favorite person. person. Uh, I'm going to have to go with my wife on that one. That's a good choice. And here's the last one. What's your favorite type of tree? We've got so many wonderful uh, native trees here. And I quite like uh, having lived in the Netherlands. I really enjoy the deciduous trees the appropriately i enjoy seasons and seasonality so maybe right. just a good old right. good old uh, oak tree mighty oaks well graham i am so thankful thank you so much for joining me on journey to the stage today yeah it's been a real joy thank you yeah to everybody listening check the show notes for where you can pick up seasons by graham and buy it stream it tell your friends about it support indie artists who are making some of the best music there is today and as i've said before every time you support an independent artist an angel earns their wings (laughs) so if you've enjoyed this conversation with graham james uh, share this episode on your socials share it with friends leave a kind review or throw some stars my way it's always helpful we've got four more episodes in season one so stay tuned we've got some more great guests coming up So pack your suitcase and you can join us on our next journey to the stage. That's a wrap.